is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Huskers got it! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We are live here with you on a potentially clinchy day uh, this Saturday. It's uh, a chance for Nebraska baseball to make the NCAA tournament or the Big Ten tournament. Well, yeah, as let, the eight seed. Let's slow yeah, down. I'm getting ahead of myself bit. here. Let's slow down a little bit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> getting ahead of myself. Yes, they're trying to make Omaha, and that's very different Omaha than what is that absolute end goal. <laughs> we don't need to. We don't need to get into details. They're trying to make <laughs> Omaha. They win today, and Purdue loses, and they're in Omaha. Yeah. What's what's wrong with that? It's college baseball, and you're going to Omaha. That's, right. Exactly. That's the dream, right? You got you got Husker softball going for a chance to be in the driver's seat at their regional. They're taking on number seven, Oklahoma State. This afternoon, uh, a a Husker football player who's been in the NFL for 16 years decides to hang him up, announces his retirement this week. Uh, we've, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, not to mention, uh, I mean, obviously, there's always something going on with football, uh, and they've got some big visit weekends going mm-hmm. uh, this weekend. Uh, they've got another one coming up June 3rd. Uh, there's a lot on the calendar, a lot on the docket, and uh, I want to start off with where baseball's at and and <laughs> just address that because they 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 do what they do on Thursday, right? They they go down four nothing. They have next to no life, and then in the ninth inning, they load the bases, they get a run, they get they get the tying run to the plate. And what do you do but strike out looking to end the game? And it seems like that's going to do it, right? But everything else happens the way that it needs to happen for Nebraska to stay alive. It continues to happen yesterday as Nebraska comes up with the clutch hit that they've been missing seemingly all season with Bryce Matthews hitting an absolute bomb oh, yeah. to dead center field in the bottom of the eighth inning, a three-run homer to break a tie. And they're alive. They, they just need Purdue to lose and to beat Michigan State to win the series. Mm-hmm. And then, Caleb, they're going to the, make the Big Ten tournament anyway, despite the fact that they lost to last place Minnesota and they lost the series to Illinois after enduring the the four plus hours total in in rain and weather delays. It, yeah, it would be it would be pretty incredible for them to make it. And then weird stuff can happen. Who knows? But they would make it if those two things happened today. Right. It's so bizarre when we think about where we were last Saturday, saying that because of the way things had gone in Nebraska, coming off of a Friday night loss at Illinois, it was. Well, Nebraska's pretty much going to have to win out. The way things look, Nebraska's going to have to win out. Then they go one and one the rest of the weekend, and you're like, well, all right, the math says they're still technically in it, um, and we're already figuring out our schedules here, and we've got the higher-ups saying, well, do we need to worry about our part-time schedule going forward? What's baseball going to be after this week? And I go, well, mathematically, they're still in it. And then they lose on Thursday, and it's Friday morning conversations. Everyone going, well, do do we need to update stuff to not have baseball after this week? I go, well, everything else happened in their favor, so mathematically they're still in it, and it's like, wait a minute. They get the win last night, and now, for the most part, they do control their destiny because it is a long shot for Purdue to beat Maryland. Even in a one-off game, that is essentially a play-in game for them to get into the Big Ten tournament to where they would have to play Maryland. Um, but uh, you, yeah. you're, you're trying to get that trying to get that eight seed. How's about that? If Purdue had to play Maryland four straight games, <laughs> what a what a buzzsaw of a way to to head into your Big Ten tournament. Um, but it's there. It's mathematically there for Nebraska to control your destiny. That home run. For Bryce Matthews, besides just being a tank of a shot into center field, 
and giving Nebraska the lead. Were you listening to the the game either through us here on KLIN or watching um, on TV yesterday, Cole? Live, no. I, okay. I was not watching. So our live. our friend John Bishop was was on the call for Nebraska Public Media and yep. uh, formerly NET, and he gave a tremendous stat when we got to the bottom of the eighth inning. And I had the tweet ready because I thought it was amazing. Nebraska baseball has not won a single game this season when tied after eight innings. Oh, no. That is awful. winless on the season when tied. Before the Bryce Matthews home run, the ball game was tied. The ball game was tied. And I was sitting there going, don't let this happen. Don't, don't <laughs> let this be the way that everything goes out. Um, but Nebraska gets the win. And what does that do? That effectively eliminates Michigan State from having a, a path to making the Big Ten tournament. Um, yep. Northwestern is eliminated from having a path to the Big Ten tournament. It is now down to Nebraska and Purdue. Can Nebraska win and get in? Can Mother Nature hold off? Now, here's the thing on that, Cole. Um, they're going to get that game in. Even if Mother Nature messes up the, the start time, in, uh, it's in, they're playing in West Lafayette, right? They are. So that Purdue-Maryland game, the, the finale of their series, if Mother Nature, which is expected to um, have a little fun there this afternoon, were to mess up that game, they are expected to try and get that game in because of what is on the line. Because it is a game that has ramifications. And if you're the league, everyone always wants to think that the Big Ten is out to get Nebraska. If you're the league, you want Nebraska in this conference tournament. Oh my gosh. They're going to find a way to they're going to find a way to get this game played in hopes that Maryland wins. And obviously a lot of that depends on Nebraska closing things out today. Nebraska has not, under pressure, performed where it's you have to win this game. Think about how they've limped over these last two weekends, and still, and still, Nebraska has a chance with one game to go to put themselves into the Big Ten Conference Tournament. And still. yeah, Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald will join us uh, in a little bit as well to uh, d- discuss the baseball program and, and where they stand today and, and all those things. Also touch on football with Evan. Uh, but as, as you mentioned, the, the the things that had to happen and what still has to happen in terms of that Purdue-Maryland game. And Maryland, it, it, while they maybe have clinched the one seed for the Big Ten tournament, they're still playing for uh, NCAA tournament seeding at this point. Uh, they're, I, I don't think they have a shot at a top eight national seed, but if they were to, for instance, if they were to lose this game to Purdue, uh, that wouldn't help their case to at least host a regional, right? which I think they're probably in line to do if they continue to hold serve, if they don't lose a game that they shouldn't, uh, which may very well be mean winning, winning out, winning the big 10 tournament at this point. But, uh, a, lo- a loss of Purdue, the eighth seed as it stands now, would certainly not help that cause. So they certainly have still have th- something to play for. Yeah, so Maryland right now in the RPI is seventh. Seventh yeah. in the country. So we're not talking about Maryland playing to host a regional because I'm fairly certain they're, they're safe in that. What we're talking about right now for Maryland is being a top eight national seed to where you can control home field through supers, through super yep. regionals. And that is such a big deal. We, we talk about the, getting that step for Nebraska to get back to hosting a regional because you want to have that, that home field advantage just for the start of the NCAA tournament. Maryland right now controls their own destiny in being able to host a super regional. Obviously, they, they would have to get through their, their own regional first, but they are in a place right now that, and yes, I know there were some SEC teams that canceled their games because it would hurt their RPI, and Purdue's mm-hmm. probably not a big enough team that's going to help Maryland's RPI, but just get wins at this point. If you're mm-hmm. top 10 and you're just getting wins and Maryland's winning the Big Ten Conference regular season and they've got a very good chance of winning the Big Ten tournament, um, they're going to be as dangerous as anyone next week in Omaha. Hopefully Nebraska can sneak in and then 
make things weird on day one. But Maryland is in such a good place for this league to host not just a regional, but a super regional. Yeah. And that is something that the Big Ten has done uh, in, in the, I guess, the last decade. Illinois was a top eight national seed uh, a few years back. Maybe I think they were the seven, actually, if I remember right. Um, Indiana wasn't a top eight seed when they made the College World Series. Michigan wasn't either. Um, but Illinois has been in that position in terms of the regular season and then the postseason tournament uh, to position themselves for that. So so that's that's what's on the line out there in West Lafayette. That's what Nebraska needs to have happen. Cole, uh, back here. Uh, oh, real quick, since I have the RPI pulled up. Yeah. Maryland is at seven. Mm-hmm. Who and where do you think is next in the league? Mm. Would it be Iowa? Or Rutgers, so, I wonder. So Iowa is third in the league at 60. Rutgers, I was third. Okay, Rutgers, Rutgers second. is second at 44. Good on you, Jim Delaney. Gosh, where would we be without those two? Um, and then Illinois, 77. <laughs> Michigan, 81. Oh, man, we're doing a lot of scrolling. Indiana, 117. Purdue, one. Nebraska was in the 160s last I saw. Ohio State, 129. Penn State, 130. Northwestern 161, Michigan State 165, Nebraska 168. And then you scroll all the way down Minnesota 239. So what you see out of those, because we're getting to the the talk about making an NCAA tournament for teams in the league. Obviously for Nebraska, we're talking about just making the Big Ten tournament and getting weird from there. Because Nebraska has to win the Big Ten tournament to get in, guys. That, that's what it is. You you know what's in front of you. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry about that one. First, you got to get through today. Then you got to go win the whole darn thing next week. Um, yep. But Iowa, I believe, is going to be too low for an at-large. It's sitting at yeah. 60 in the RPI. Yeah. Because there's going to be enough teams behind them that are going to steal some automatic bids, and there's enough teams in front of them. Rutgers at 44 is... What, on the bubble? Is the Big yeah. Ten a one-bid league? After having after getting non-conference play this year, are they going to be a one-bid league and it's going to be a top-eight national seed? Or or is the selection committee going to make Maryland like the overall nine or ten because the rest of the league is not great? It's it's mid two thousand uh, mid twenty tens SEC. It's just <laughs> Alabama and and thirteen little brothers. You got you got top heavy and and then nothing nothing else below. Man. Yeah, I, it's so I, I I like that. I like that you went through the RPI to kind of show the state of the league. Uh, back here in Lincoln, the state of Nebraska is such that they have to win back to back games for the first time in a while uh, in order to make the uh, Big Ten tournament. And then still, if Purdue wins, it wouldn't be enough. Can you tell me, Caleb, the last time Nebraska baseball won? back-to-back games man i just started scrolling so i i and i stopped when, as soon as you started to ask it because i was curious yeah, about right. that i yeah. stopped at the iowa series and it's before that yep. um who did nebraska play before they played omaha well, that would have been the minnesota series right now minnesota was after iowa minnesota was after oh that's it's right. still it's still midweek it was actually a three. Technically, it was a three-game winning streak because they won the last game of a Big Ten series, and then they won a, a a game against a team you're not placing, and then they beat Omaha. Okay, so yeah, they 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 won the game right before uh, midweek. Was that K State? K State. K State. All right. So they won the a last league. time. The last time they won consecutive games was a three-game win streak. Indiana nineteen to seven, K State eight to six, and then Omaha fourteen to three. Those you, are their those are their last consecutive victories. But you have to go all the way back to the beginning of April at Ohio State for the last time they won two league games in a row when they swept the Buckeyes. Wow, yeah, that's that's worse than mine. <laughs> Look, it, the, the, Nebraska's in uncharted territory here. This this year has not gone the way they wanted it to. Um, Bryce Matthews, while he made that. He made that heroic uh, play happen there with that home run. He had a nice, uh, nice play in the field as well yesterday. Uh, he he has struggled to say the least this season. Um, we we I mean, looking ahead to this year, the the thought was 
hey, you know, they, they've got these holes in the lineup. They've got these holes in the outfield, but you feel okay about where they're at because Max Anderson was a big player when he was, you know, in his first year. Bryce Matthews is going to be a big-time con- uh, contributor to this team. Like, those those guys, and then, you know, Griffin Everett, Cam Chick, those guys were were expected to carry this team. Bryce Matthews has just really struggled mightily this year. And so to to not have what you were counting on from a guy like him, from a guy like Max Anderson, and as, as, as much as you were hoping those guys were going to give you this season – that's been a big reason why they've struggled. They've had injuries, obviously, with the pitching staff uh, that have been pretty detrimental to their success, too. But uh, if if Bryce Matthews maybe found something, if Nebraska found something with winning a game late for literally the first time all season uh, on on the you know staring staring the the end of their year in the face, you know, like you said, weirder things have happened. And still, Cole, and still. There is a chance to control your destiny today as much as you possibly can. By the way, Bryce Matthews' home run last night was the first time this entire year that anything close reminded me to the attitude of of someone stomping on the plate at Fayetteville yes. in the regionals. Yes. That's the first time I saw the attitude get into get into that realm of what we've needed to see all season. Ah, where are you, Jackson Hallmark? All right, let's uh, let's hit our break. We are going to have Evan Bland next uh, when we talk uh, some Husker baseball and some Husker football. Uh, we've got some softball to break down. Uh, we also have some transfer portal news because it's 2022. <laughs> of course, we have transfer portal news. Uh, we'll get all to that, all of that and more coming at you next here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour here. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry. We are uh, not on the Facebook Live today, but you can always uh, head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com uh, for our audio medium. And uh, most weeks, you can see us there uh, at KLIN Huskers on Facebook. And that's where we're at on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, and and somebody that uh, we always like to see joining the program is here for the ride. He covers Husker baseball uh, and football and, and probably plenty of other stuff for the Omaha World Herald. It's Evan Bland. Uh, Evan, Nebraska baseball lives. They just keep finding ways to stay alive until the literal last day of the regular season. They do. So much so that we're checking weather reports in West Lafayette, Indiana, and factoring in you know potential ties and curfews for games halfway across the country yeah it's uh you know it's dramatic you got to give it that they're they're playing their last regular season game with something on the line and uh, the way the season's gone here um if nothing else it's been entertaining that's for sure yeah if if we were watching this from afar not not covering it from a nebraska perspective we, we may we may give the old who wants to actually be the eighth seed treatment mm-hmm. Because we thought back when they had three series left that they'd probably need to go something like six and three uh, to be able to make it. Well, they've lost five games. They could go potentially four and five in this stretch and still make the dance uh, in Omaha. (laughs) Not the big one, but, you know, we'll just go with it. Um, Tell me about what the, the vibe has been like this weekend here in Lincoln, it's the last home series. They know they need to win to get in, but they still lost that Thursday game. Are they, do they feel like they want to keep playing and they're just frustrated? They can't figure it out. Or are they just ready to get this thing over with? Like what's the vibe from the team and the coaching staff? Well, I think Thursday it was, it was a flat performance. There's no way around it. I mean, they're the offense did next to nothing until the ninth inning. Um, you know, they, they just, the, the, the defense wasn't very good. They just didn't look very inspired on Thursday. And, and that's absolutely the opposite of what you're looking for, for a team, as we've kind of laid out that has needed to win, to move on. Like your season is on the line at that point, And it was, it was an egg. And I think the players and the coaches would agree with that. And then, you know, last night it was, it was better. I thought the offense showed some more signs of life. I mean, Nebraska had situations where they took they went first to third on an infield hit and worked some counts but even then I mean some of the middle innings the offense uh, they couldn't get down a couple sacrifices 
Um, they had a, a weird double play uh, on a foul out to, to first base, which was unusual. Um, so it, really it's been kind of a lot of what we've seen in, in recent weeks and recent months where the pitching has been good enough. They've kept them in games and you just have no idea what you're going to get from the offense or from the fielders. And so, you know, Nebraska survived last night in a game that, that absolutely looked like it could have gone the other way, if not for Bryce Matthews heroics with that three run home run in the eighth. Um, you know, and, and they know what's on, well, they know what's at stake. And so it's, it's hard. It, I guess it, it's easy for us as media and fans to sort of uh, look at the scenarios and watch it play out. I think it's a little bit more challenging when you're a player, when you're, you know, kind of keep an eye on the scoreboard, but you also have to really dial in on the task at hand. And, and so there's a little bit of that going on too, but, you know, assuming Maryland and, and Purdue gets played today, uh, there's obviously a ton on the line for the Huskers. So um, there's certainly no reason they can't be dialed in and ready to go today. Evan, what is the the pitching situation like today? Because Nebraska through the first two games been very efficient on the hill, just thrown four pitches total through those first two. Is it like it's a regional? Is it like it's the 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 end of a tournament where just everyone's available, even if you've got to come get an inning because the season is riding on today? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's all hands on deck, with the exception of <clears throat> Emmett Olson, who was the starter yesterday. Mm-hmm. And you know their their plan. It was interesting the way they set up their pitching for this series, where they started Jackson Brockett, the freshman right out of the shoot, and they haven't done that in a weekend series yet. And and it was sort of a twofold thought process from the coaching staff where, where one, Michigan State was has a very left-handed heavy lineup and, and Brockett's a lefty, so they're playing matchups there. But then they also felt like Shea Shanneman, who, would, who could sort of piggyback off of that start, maybe they could get two appearances from him on the weekend. I don't know that it's going to turn out that way because he went six and threw 80 pitches on – Thursday night, so that's that's a big ask to have him come back. You know, maybe you see Cody Frank, who only went two innings, but uh, in terms of starters, I mean, Will Bolt mentioned Braxton Bragg and um, Mason Ornelas' possibilities. Uh, Dawson McCarville, who's been a weekend starter for these guys this year, was a midweek, uh, uh, you know, he pitched against Oral Roberts on Tuesday, so he would be an option, too. Um, so it's it's sort of whatever <laughs> whatever works. Like, your leash is going to be Extremely short. Uh, if you win, obviously you don't play again until, and pretty loses, you don't play again until next Wednesday. So you really don't have to worry about, um, you know, managing for a game tomorrow or anything like that. So uh, whoever's effective is going to stay in there. And if you're not, man, you're going to be out pretty quick. So I imagine it's sort of going to be like a midweek matchup where uh, you're going to see a lot of pitching changes. And I think the other interesting thing, too, is Michigan State, with their loss last night, was eliminated from that Big Ten tournament contention. So maybe there's a little bit of a hangover there, and, and the way that they manage things could be a little bit different, too, with nothing on the line. Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald joining us, talking Husker baseball as they try to keep their season alive here on the last day of the regular season. Evan, the fielding has been something that's really cost Nebraska a lot this season. They, they had an error in each of these first two games against Michigan State. Uh didn't cost them any unearned runs, but – Man, it really cost them. Uh, actually, it did cost them an unearned run in that for that first game on Thursday. It it really cost them though in the the finale against Illinois. Uh, they've had other plays, plenty here and there, where it hasn't been an error in the scorebook, but uh, they've they've missed simple plays, simple baseball plays, as Will Bolt would probably characterize them. It, it has has the team or the coaching staff talked about things they've done differently to try to address what the heck has been going on with the fielding percentage and, and with the errors that's been happening? Well, it's, it's been an area certainly of disappointment. And, and I think that's true for most teams and, and certainly Nebraska, where you talk about all the variables in baseball, like the one thing that you can control better than anything is how sound are you fundamentally in the field? You know, can you, can you glove the easy balls and maybe, you know, make some plays that takes away hits from an opponent as well. And that's what something that last year's team was so good at was they made all the routine plays uh, and then they had some spectacular ones to to take plays away as well. This year, you know, I, I think it's sort of a combination of things. There's the physical side of it where you look at how a lot of players have moved around positionally, especially in the infield where 
you know, if you're Max Anderson, you've played third, you've played second, you've played first. Uh, Bryce Matthews and Core Jackson have sort of shuffled between second and short. Um, you know, for a lot of the year, uh, it was a guy like Jack Style playing first base who just learned the position. There have been injuries. So I think that's part of it. And, and certainly in the outfield, it's not been spectacular either with some guys who are really getting long looks out there for the first times in their college careers. But then the other, the other side, I think uh, probably holds some water too. And that's something Will Bold often says about defense, which is the mark of a good defense is the ability to be in the moment and to be really selfless. So if you're, if you're playing good defense, you're not worried about your next at bat. You're not, um, upset maybe about a play or, or an at bat that just happened where you made an out, like you're in the moment, you're playing for your team and, and, and that's all you're focused on. And so I think the players would say, and they have said that there have been times this year where their minds have not been in the moment. And I think that's often been when maybe you see, even if it's not a, a straight up error, just a misplay in the field, maybe somebody not backing up a base whatever it might be. And, and certainly some of that's coaching, some of that's on the players, um, but it's just been too inconsistent. And and when you look at the aggregate of it, I mean, you're talking more than 70 unearned runs at this point in the season. So before you even, you know, throw a pitch on average, Nebraska is already down a run and a little bit more just because of, of the unearned stuff, unearned, uh, you know, unearned runs. And, and, and Emmett Olson, I think is a great example of that. I mean, half of his runs he's allowed this year have been unearned. So, uh, there's been a lot of inconsistency there for sure. And, and college baseball, you know, more than major leagues or any other level is about avoiding mistakes. If you make fewer mistakes than your opponent, the odds that you win the game at this level are pretty high. And Nebraska, for the most part, just hasn't been able to say that this year. Evan, let, let's say that Nebraska does come out on top today and that Maryland I don't know, probably scores 20 on Purdue, to be honest. Uh, but everything goes right for Nebraska to advance. This team has been so weird with momentum and not being able to keep it rolling. What? How do you think this team would react to then getting to essentially host the Big Ten tournament next week? And Is, is it relief that they're just in? Or is it, we just won two in a row, now let's go get weird and make stuff happen? Uh, what, how, how do you think the, the mindset would carry over from today to this next Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, I think there'd be some relief just from the sense that you're finally, it, it's, a, it's a reset, right? Like Nebraska has, has at no point this season been above 500. I mean, they've, they've been fighting it from the get. And so having the chance to, to be even, even as the eighth seed and having to play Maryland right away, like it does, it, it allows you to, to reset. It, it puts you back level with teams that you've been chasing all year. And so I think there, there would be some value in that, you know, the, the big 10 tournament and really college baseball tournaments in general are such fickle, unpredictable entities anyway, just because of the nature of the sport. And, you know, we've seen eight seeds, even at the big 10 tournament make runs. I mean, Iowa, it was an eight seed a few years ago and they made the final and uh, Northwestern was a seven a few years ago and they made a run. And so it happens. Uh, and, and I think the Nebraska, you know, with the crowd and, and some of the talent that it has, you just never know. I mean, they haven't been consistent. Sure. But, but the talent I think has been there and um, you know, Maryland on the other side would be fighting to potentially host a regional. And um, you know, they had an emotional uh, day clinching the league here yesterday. So you just never know. Like, I mean, you know, you, you want to be in that position. Um, ultimately, like if Nebraska were, were to go 0-2 and, and, and get blown out twice, then, you know, it probably doesn't mean a whole lot as opposed to if they just hadn't made the tournament at all. But, you know, again, uh, if nothing else, this thing's in your backyard. And I, I think that's the other thing that maybe uh, plays a factor here is if the Big Ten tournament were in Minneapolis this year or were, you know, wherever, far away, and, and it wasn't in Omaha, then Nebraska missing would be a disappointment, but it maybe wouldn't be such an in-your-face disappointment the way that it seems to be mm-hmm. with a lot of fans this year. So, uh, you know, get in, see what happens. It, it, it can be weird, kind of like you said. You never know. <laughs> um, but, man, at least give yourself a chance to be a top-eight team in a 13-team in a conference that, let's be honest, does not prioritize baseball the way that, that Nebraska does in general. Well, and, and Evan, there's a lot of folks. Obviously, this Nebraska team wants to get there, but there are a lot of folks, there are a lot of businesses in Omaha, 
There are fans, like your parents, tell them hi, by the way, had a great time with them at Norm's the other day, um, that are waiting to see what this result is to to figure out their plans for the next week. Sure, that's true, yeah. And, you know, you think about the history, the recent history of Nebraska baseball in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, 2018, it was in Omaha, Nebraska didn't qualify, and I was out there that year, and it was not well attended. There were just as many sort of lost Nebraska fans as there were fans of some of the other schools that year. And then you think 2019, okay, they make it, they go to the final. It was one of the the most heavily attended college baseball games of the year. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, And then the last two years, of course, there isn't a Big Ten tournament. And then, you know, you look at the possibility now, there's still pretty real possibility that they don't make it and advance this year. So certainly, um, you know, Nebraska has not necessarily held up its end of the bargain when it's come to the Big Ten tournament being in Omaha. The numbers all say that the attendance goes way up. I mean, you're talking a matter of, you know, a few hundred fans per game when Nebraska is not there to a few thousand fans when they are. And that, that makes a big difference. And, and, and that'll play a role in whether, uh, whether Omaha keeps the event. They've got it for two more years still, still um, moving forward. But it's something that they would like to keep, and and man, it's just it's not a good look for for your conference and for your school if you're hosting event an event like that and you're not there. Well, Evan, before we let you go, let's go from one weird men's Nebraska sport to another. Let's let's hit football real quick. Uh, they they've got some they've got some guys arriving on campus here this summer, and they're still hitting the transfer portal uh, looking for some more. They've got some big visit weekends. Uh, give me a, a real quick snapshot of a couple of things you're paying attention to this off season for Husker football. Well, it's been busy. That's for sure. I mean, like you said, this is a busy, uh, you know, visit recruiting stretch. And for the last, you know, four five months, six months, really, it's been about the transfer portal and trying to find a way to make this 2022 football team as, as good as it can be. And so I think that's probably still, what I'm focused in on, um, you know, how does it look with, uh, with Steven Wynn, the, the transfer out of Alabama, the defensive line, that's somebody that they could use. Um, you know, how does it go with Marcus Washington, the, the Texas transfer and receiver that Nebraska was in on a couple of years ago out of high school? Because, you know, you look at the recruiting weekends that are coming up. I mean, they have some major names for 2023 coming in. Uh, the Friday Night Lights camps next month are already starting to come together with some really high-profile prospects too. But you know, you think about it; like it doesn't, it won't amount to much if this season doesn't go the way that they need it to go. Like if you don't make a bowl game, then it's going to be a reset anyway. And with the transfer portal, it doesn't really matter what some of those 2023 guys do at this point. So I think for me, you know, looking at, at the trajectory of what this program will be into the future, it's, it's still, it's, it's all about this year. I mean, heck, it's all about the first game, you know, setting the tone there, um, starting on that path to six wins and, and showing progress uh, to the point that this staff can, can continue here and, and maybe build some momentum moving forward. So that, that's to me what it is, is uh, how does the transfer portal cycle finish out? Our guys getting healthy, you know, we, we heard from Teddy Prohaska recently, who's said he's 85, 90% recovered from his knee injury. He's going to be the, the mainstay there at left tackle, it looks like. Mm-hmm. So how does, how does this team come together this year? Because, again, everything after, um, you know, what these 12 games, 13 games look like, uh, it's going to change everything, uh, you know, one way or another for how this program looks moving forward. Boy, and nothing's ever nothing bad's ever happened when Nebraska football's put all their eggs in a basket of trying to beat a team from Illinois to open the season, right? That's it'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald, uh, covers baseball and football and uh, plenty else for them. Uh, we appreciate the time, Evan, and uh, enjoy the weekend. And we'll see if Nebraska baseball gets weird today. Sounds good. Let's get weird. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, it, it man, it's for sure. And I've got another stat here coming up. Uh, Caleb, when when we get back from break, uh, that I want to share with you and the listeners too. Uh, another stat that will blow your mind regarding Nebraska baseball. So we'll do that when we get back. Plus, we'll hit the transfer portal news that affected uh, a different Nebraska men's sport that's really weird. Uh, we'll also hit on uh, the the longtime NFL Husker who just decided to hang him up uh, and 
maybe the lead story of the week that we've just buried. We haven't even touched on it. We'll get to all that coming up here and more on the KLIN Husker Hour. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Big thanks to Evan Bland, who just joined us in our last segment talking baseball and a little bit of football, uh, as we will uh, we'll hit a little bit more of here as we roll on. I wanted to get to one more baseball stat, Caleb, because I don't know if you will, uh, if you will know this or, or recognize this. Last year, uh, and granted, they played a, a little bit smaller schedule because they didn't play any non-conference games, but last year, the most errors by a single player on Nebraska's team was six. Okay. Two two players had six errors last year. Can you name them? Um two players with six. Um did I'll I'll give you go ahead. I was gonna yeah, say go did did Schwellenbach have six errors? He did not. He only had four. Okay. I was like I I Max Anderson. Max Anderson is one of them. Okay. Did Bryce Matthews? Bryce Matthews is the other, yes. There Those two go. led the team with six errors. They were still 954, 927. Not not great, but those were your leading error makers last year. There you go. Do you, you know work, you work around the you, infield. That's how you find yeah. that. Well, yeah. <laughs> do you know who do you know who has the most errors this season for Nebraska and how many they have? Oh gosh. Is it one of Matthews or Anderson again? It is. Okay. I'm gonna say thirteen. That's really close. It's 14, and it's Bryce Matthews. Okay. 919 fielding percentage mm-hmm. down, from, down from what he had last year. And second is, is a tie between Core Jackson with eight and Max Anderson with eight. Um, and, and so in fielding, I, I looked this up because I was interested, just fielding percentage overall. Nebraska this year, 968. Last year, 979. I mean, those 11 points... I mean, the, the, that's worth a few victories without question. And, and, and so I, I don't, that's, that's just a, a fun, you know, fun with numbers right. thing, but it just goes to show you that they've really struggled in that regard. And it is very costly in the win column. Um, be, be, granted, they've had some struggles at the plate. They've had uh, unexpected injuries in the pitching staff, but still uh, to, to not be able to at least field cleanly, uh, and as I mentioned that with, with Evan, like Will Boltz talked about this too. It's not just the errors. It's the other, just like basic baseball plays, like not getting an extra base on the base paths or um, not making the throw to the cutoff, man. Uh, it doesn't count as an error, but it allows them to advance a base or it yeah. allows them to not get it out. You know, those, those sorts of things add up. Uh, and that's really, that's really been a bugaboo for Nebraska baseball this season. Um. Real quick, because I know there's a, a couple of topics you want to get to. Real quick, I want to throw this in. Nebraska track and field qualified 34 yeah. athletes for the West preliminary round. you got to advance from there to get to Nationals in Eugene, Oregon. Um, also, here's one. As we've talked about the big three men's sports, and at times that's um, that's been a frustration, but there have been these other sports that have done um, really, really well. Talking about track and field, they had multiple All-Americans in the indoor season. Now you're into the outdoor season. Husker men have won three Big Ten Field Athlete of the Championship awards over the last two seasons. You've had Berger Lambricks Jr., Alex Tolley, um, and then at this latest one, Big Ten Championships, Maxwell Otterdahl, thrower, won the Big Ten uh, Men's Field Athlete of the Championships. 
So there, there are like there are men's sports and men's athletes. <laughs> we, we, I know we focus on kind of the negative parts of the big three that we talk about because those are the big three. There are, and it's and it's been negative. Yeah, unfortunately, there, there, there are Husker student athletes doing extremely well. So I just wanted to, and obviously track and field's close to my heart, but but give a quick yes. shout out to to those folks and best of luck to them as they head to the uh, the West preliminary rounds for the NCAA. Absolutely, yeah. C- Caleb Henry, big track and field guy, and and hey, if you have not heard of those guys, that's okay. You probably haven't heard of the guy that I'm going to talk about next either, because I'll be <laughs> honest. Before this week, I had never heard of the name Emmanuel Bandomel, and pro- I don't. Caleb, would you say the same? I had not. Yeah, <laughs> I had not. So that was a very quick. Oh, that's a thing that happened. Now I yep. have to talk about that. <laughs> yep. So Emmanuel Bandomel. If you're keeping score at home, he is the latest Nebraska basketball recruit who is committed to the, to the Huskers, transferring from SMU, six foot four, 180 pound guard. Uh, he's from Quebec, and he's been a three year starter. Sorry, sir, that's at SMU. That's pronounced Quebec. 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 Okay. I'm not. I'm not Canadian, nor French Canadian, nor I'm. I'm just going to say Quebec. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so he's he's shot over 35% from three each of the last two seasons. Uh, he's got size and athleticism. Started all 33 games last year for SMU. They were in the second round of the NIT. 10.6 points, 3.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists per game. Uh, and scored in double figures in 18 games. Uh, second on the team with 73 pointers. Cole. We have to stop when we have transfers saying what their three-point percentage was because over the last few years, this was where three-point shooters have come to die. <laughs> you got to ch- take what their three-point percentage was where they were when they had success <laughs> and like shave off seven points to, to factor in the Nebraska. Yeah, I look, one of these times, these guys are going to actually shoot well when they get here, right? I hope so. I hope it, so. It is the, the law of averages. For Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg, the the kicks to the teeth that those two have gotten in their in their three or four seasons, respectively, they have got to start turning around at some point. Like one of these days, Nebraska is not going to have debilitating turnovers in the fourth quarter in, <laughs> in in football. And one of these days, someone's going to hit a big three late in a game for for Fred Hoiberg. It's got to happen. But, it's got to happen. Okay, so with with the addition of Bandamel and before that. It was the addition of Juwan Gary. Juwan Gary what Alabama. that means now is that you're not going to see Latman and Trey McGowan's come back to Nebraska. Yeah, that we're, we're able to. You're able to sleuth that out because there are just no scholarships left. Otherwise, and, and, and if Fred Hoiberg and company thought there was a chance to get one or both of those guys back, if if mutually the two had uh, like wanted that to happen. Then they then Hoiberg would not have added these other two guys um, because when they added Gary, it was okay. Well, which between Trey and Lat is not coming back. Then you add Bandumel, and it's okay. There's no scholarships left, and the conversation becomes: Well, this is your team. This is what you have going into next year. But also, whether or not there was success or not, obviously people got very close to Trey because his brother was here. You also saw just the effort that Trey put into. Um, every game on defense, he was trying to go out and and get into a scrum in a scooter. Like there, there was just something about <laughs> Trey that that people liked. Um, Lat, he was. There were some games that he was on, um, but he was just off more often than not. I think he was just trying to figure out what that role was going to be and never quite could over his couple of years here. Where do those two guys go from here? You know, it, are are there options for? Playing in the G League here? Are there options for Europe or somewhere overseas? I think there definitely are for Trey. I don't know so much about Lat. Man, I, I I just remembered the scooter thing, and that makes me so happy because just imagining a dude just on on one of those one legged scooters just getting in a scrap with it, like he was wielding it as a as a you know anchorman style back alley battle weapon, like. Trey, where'd you get that grenade? You know, no. <laughs> you guys trying to get weird? I'll, I'll wheel over there. 
<laughs> no touching of the hair or face. Um, so I, I may be, I may be buried the lead, uh, the most important story of the week. And I'll, I'll just, I'll just unveil it now because I feel bad for our listeners that they've waited all this time and they, they haven't gotten this. Caleb, you know, the most important player He's of on Nebraska campus. football 2022 is now on campus. He's right? on campus. Timmy bleak road. Oh yeah, baby. Get us the specialist. I, I got to give Baz full credit. Chris Bassett from the Journal Star called him the Furman Foot in a tweet this week, <laughs> which is just phenomenal work. Yeah, the, the transfer kicker from Furman, he's here. He's spectacular. And uh, him and Brian Bussini are going to need to be pretty good for Nebraska to not be terrible on special teams again. Bill Bush, you got your guy. Let's let's go make it happen. Let's mm-hmm. let's see what you got. Now here's the thing about those special teams. Yes, we need the specialist to perform. You need to if if the the call is for a punt to go to the right sideline, it not yep. get shanked to the left sideline, and there's no coverage team. Um, but there, there's a there's a big part of this, and I know, man, it was I hated every time this was said. But it's not special teams; it's the specialists. And I was like, you were just burying dudes when. There was also not a lot that was drawn up well on special yeah. teams. So it was a combination. The specialists were not performing last year, and the special teams were not coached well. So I'm really like, hoping that this next year you do have the specialists that are going to perform and at le- and be consistently above average. Like that's where we're at. Just you don't even have to be great. I know there's going to be times where they're great, and a ball is going to come off that foot and go seventy yards out of nowhere because it's going to sail over the head of the return guy. But just be consistently above average, and for your special teams, just like know your role and, and be coached well. Yeah, I, look when he when he dropped that, I think we had the same reaction. Scott Frost saying it's not special teams, it's specialists. Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware that the punter was supposed to get down there. And block for the punt returner. <laughs> uh, you you sit next to me in the press box for the last few years. You and Gary Sharp know that I'm waving my hand above my head every single time a punter would punt to Nebraska because I didn't want anything to do with a return because Nebraska's return team didn't have any blocking. There was no scheme set up to get guys back there to set up a return. I mean... The the days of DeMornay Pearson L having lanes this way and that, and look, he could make something out of nothing with the best of them too, but uh, the special teams were coached better in 2014 mm-hmm. than they were in 2020 or 2021. So, yes, it, specialists certainly had their struggles, but let's not get it twisted. It was more than just uh, the the punter and kicker that were yeah. that were causing those those special team struggles. Hey, we gotta we gotta take our last break, Cole, but we gotta talk yes. about a former Husker punter when we come back. Yes, that is a transition. That is a professional transition, <laughs> and uh, this is a this is a professional transition to our break and, and our final break. Uh, we will come back and tell you who that is and the impact they had on the NFL when we come back here on the KLIN Husker app. Um, slash join. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. When this story hit yesterday, it kind of made me a little bit sad because I remembered what Sam Foltz could have been had he made the league. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a Seward area kid, Nebraska uh, kid, and, and getting a chance to go to the NFL. He certainly would have had his chance, but uh, man, Sam Cook, Seward punter, was a Husker until 2006, and uh, just just announced his retirement this week. Caleb from the Baltimore Ravens, the most games in a Ravens jersey <laughs> ever. Um, Quietly and, though, quietly the most games because he was so yeah. consistent that you never had to worry about that position. You think about some of the other places and in, in some of the other Huskers that have been in the NFL. Honestly. We've heard more about Alex Henry than we have Sam Cook. We've heard more about a number of guys over the last decade than we have Sam Cook because of where they are, where what what team is trying to pick them up off of free agency. Um, maybe they're going to go kick for this team, punt for that team. Mm-hmm. Sam Cook has been over the last decade and a half the best specialist in the NFL. 
because you didn't have to worry about that position. That's been one of the things that has made Baltimore so good. And not only has he been one of the best, Cole, he changed the position. He did. Um, you can find these stories uh, everywhere on the internet if you want. Just type in Sam Cook changes punting. Literally, uh, that's what I did. And there were like five of them that came up. <laughs> There's some on ESPN, The Athletic, wherever you find sports stories. Uh, changing his his uh, launch angle uh, to to throw off the punt returner, like angling his body to one side and then literally swinging his foot across the other way. Different spins, trajectories. Um, he, he is really considered an innovator in the punting game. Um, and the other part of this that selfishly as a chiefs fan, I will not miss, uh, he, he may impact the way that the, the Ravens have, uh, so much success with Justin Tucker in their, in their field goal kicking and their extra point kicking yep. because he's been so solid as a holder, uh, including, you know, since before Tucker was there with the Ravens to when he arrived with the Ravens in 2012, Justin Tucker is probably the best kicker in NFL history. Mm-hmm. And every kick he's had in the NFL um, is, has been with Sam Cook holding the ball. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge reason why Tucker has been so successful is because Cook has been so solid and dependable and and just doesn't screw up and holds all the other specialists to a high standard. And not, uh, and, and, and not just the punting, but you had to account for Sam Cook on fourth downs. Yeah. Because he had, he was so wily, he could make the decision to just, hey, I can pick up that first down. Real athletic dude. Yeah, and he he threw for a few first downs. Um and I know he scored a uh, either a touchdown or a two-point conversion on a fake uh as he was holding. Uh and he's got a Super Bowl ring. He was uh the player who started the last play of the Super Bowl that they won. Uh the Ravens had just taken a safety and then uh, there were like 4 seconds left and he had to do a free kick and just bomb the crap out of it high as he could mm-hmm. uh, and, and nullified any sort of return the 49ers could get out of that. And so, yeah, hats off to Sam Cook. Heck of a career in the NFL. 16 seasons mm-hmm. in the NFL as a punter uh, and, and doing it every which way, uh, keeping keeping his game evolving over the years uh, to, to try to nullify the, the punt return games that came out and, yeah. and evolved over the, over his time too. is pretty impressive career and, and pretty good stuff to, to see all the praise that he's gotten this week from the specialists who know and, and even the other non-specialists who don't. Um, um, softball, Caleb, coming up at 1 o'clock, Softball, right? 1 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Baseball coming up here at noon. Softball, we will carry them if they get to tonight or tomorrow. Also want to give a quick shout-out to my sister, Addison Henry. She was a multi-time state champion yeah. here in Nebraska. She broke the 50-foot mark, moved up to number 5 all-time at Wyoming. Just had wrist surgery yesterday. So, love you, Addison.